So quick review, Genesis chapter one, we're gonna pick it up again, verse 24, this is day six. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And so last time in Genesis, we looked at creatures, cattle, and creepers, in verses 24 and 25. And what we saw is there's, you know, just like God, when it was the life coming out of the waters, out of the oceans, uh, God spotlights the whales out of all of the fish, out of all of the birds. He mentions whales by name. And, and then we saw the reason why is because there is a picture in the whale. A whale functions as a tomb in the deep. It's a grave in the deep. And just like the whale, right, this great fish, swallowed Jonah, and he was buried in this tomb in the deep for three days and three nights. What Jesus said to a wicked generation that was seeking a sign, the only sign you're gonna get is the sign of Jonas, the sign of Jonah. So just like Jonah, Jesus would spend three days and three nights in a tomb. Uh, He, as the great high priest, right, had to first suffer for our sake. But, man, praise the Lord, all Jesus ever was was qualified. He lived without sin. So he's the perfect Lamb of God, equipped, qualified to take away the sin of the world. Why? Because he's the infinite God. He has that capacity. God God reckons the Lord Jesus Christ to be your sin and mine. He lived the life we could never live. He was reckoned our wickedness on the cross of Calvary. And for three days, he lay in the grave. So on the third day, he raises to eternal life, presents his sacrifice to the Father. You and I can call on him in repentance of sin. Oh man, that's what a wicked generation needs, isn't it? We need a savior. In repentance, we need to call on Christ for forgiveness and for the saving grace of God over our lives. So he points out the whales, but now here, when we talk about the creatures that come from the dirt, from the earth, cattles, of all of them, cattles are mentioned by name. And so last time we looked at the ox, we looked at at the bull, we looked at cattle, and we saw that there was a picture there. There's a symbol there. Cattle have, cattle, that's wealth on the hoof, okay? It pictures great strength and great value. But we saw the connection to Baal. Uh, we would have grown up hearing him called Zeus, okay? But Baal, uh, all of the ancient civilizations had all the same stories, but the names, the names were different. Well, in the Hebraic tradition, in the Hebrew tradition, uh, Zeus is Baal. And whenever, whenever we see Baal, we see him completely, absolutely connected to Lucifer himself. And we find out that Lucifer, in our study, he's a cherub. He was the anointed cherub that covers the throne of God. And we did some cross-referencing to find out what cherubs look like. And we found out that a cherub had the face of a man, right? He had the face of an eagle. Uh, He had the face of a cherub. He had the face of a... In other words, when we line them up, did I get my count wrong or something? I probably did. Um, 
I, I, I get lost. Let's, wait, hold on. Let's get this right. He had the face of a cherub. He had the face of a man. He had the face of an eagle. He had the face of a lion. Um, yeah, that's, okay, that's four. Did I miss one earlier? Oh, I missed the lion. That's where I got messed. Okay. Okay, so, so cherub, man, uh, keep me straight, guys. Cherub, man, uh, eagle, and lion. Okay, and then we, we compared scripture. Boy, I'm butchering this. Is this. This is probably a better way to do four, isn't it? Okay. So, so we saw the, 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 the eagle and the lion and the man, right? And, and then it said an ox. So a cherub face is a, it's an ox face, okay? And, and then we, we just made all the connections. That's why the ox, the bull, is connected to Zeus. That is his symbol. Uh, read your Greek mythology, man. Dude's messed up. And remember, what we saw is there is a bull face. It is, we saw it in ancient Israel. We saw, it in, we saw that demonic uh, demon worship in their history, but, but nothing has ever changed. There is a bull face that wants your worship today. And so if you want all the details on that, you can jump online and, and, and get the notes and the message from that series. And then we talked about creepers and how creepers in your Bible are connected to demonic activity. Uh, we don't have time to get into it, but God let the prophet see what creepers were, were all about in Ezekiel chapter eight. And from that, we were able to see that we have to beware because there are creepers today. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, know, right, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, and then they just do everything wrong. They have a form of godliness. They know the lingo. They, 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 they know how to look the part, but there's no reality in their life. Verse six says, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with lust, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So you've got these people who say that they have a love and a relationship with God, but, 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 but it's not true. They're consuming people. They're perpetrating on people. And the Bible says they creep into houses. Well, why are, in Genesis chapter one, the creepers called creepers? And we talked about this. They're called a creeper because it's describing uh, they're in a class of the animal life. They're in a class of animal life. Uh, They're all called creepers because the way they move is a creeping way. It's describing their movement. It's describing how they walk, okay? They're creepers. And um, if somebody's creeping into my house, trying to make a mess in my house, I'm gonna call him what? Uh, He's a creeper. He's a creep. So we made application there, and we, we, we exhorted you to encourage one another, right? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, do not be a creep. Don't be a creep. <laughs> so it's a church, and we gotta all stay alert, right? We gotta, we gotta watch out for creepers, don't we? And this was Paul's warning to the elders of Ephesus at Miletus. Uh, three, three years, man, I was warning, day and night. What was it? Because after my departing, grievous wolves are going to creep in, right? They're going to enter in among you. What do they do? They're going to try to, they're going to, they're going to, try to pick off weak 
members of the flock, not sparing the flock. Verse 30 says, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Creeper gotta creep, that's what they do. And so we gotta be on guard. Okay, one more thing from the creation of the animals. We didn't have time to get into it last week, but a couple, well actually a couple things. You, you notice animals are made from the earth like man. Uh, the, the fish life, the marine life, and uh, fowl, that's coming from the waters. But now here on day six, it's the, the creatures, the cattle, the creepers, made from the same, on the same day, day six, as man, and from the same material, okay? They're made from the earth. And it is just an interesting observation to me, it's really probably nothing to it, but, but it stereotypically, okay, typically man has a better relationship or closeness to animals than he does to fish or birds, right? Reptiles, that kind of thing. Um, well, reptiles would be a creeper, so that would be, day. you know, people love lizards, I guess. Um, and we did make the point last week that, that we, we, we hate snakes, stereotypically. So it's not a perfect observation, I'll grant you that. Uh, but for every bird owner, I'll show you, what, 2,000, 3,000 dog owners? And unfortunately, at least 1,500 cat lovers? I mean, um, so I don't know. It, is it because they're made on the same day? There's some kind of a closeness there? Uh, I know the exceptions prove the rule, but what, uh, is it because they're created so, well, I don't know. I just make it a point, I, just an observation. But speaking of the entire animal kingdom, even though we're made from the same material and we were made on the same day, there's still a very big difference between man and the beast. Okay, turn, or actually just throw it up on the board, Ecclesiastes 3. Um, in Ecclesiastes 3, before this verse, verse 21, I want you to just listen to this. That which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. Isn't that interesting? They have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. And then verse 20 says, all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Now look at verse 21. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth, where? Upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. Now, in terms of the flesh, both man and beast, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We return to the earth, don't we? Uh, but that's only one-third of our makeup, and we'll get into this in even more detail when we get to chapter two, verse seven. So we're both made of the same types of material. We both come from the dirt, but what animates that flesh, okay, is a spirit. And in the case of man, now the, the word for living, right, the living creature, uh, that's the same word that's translated soul, and so I don't actually I can't understand that component. Does that mean your dogs go with you to heaven? You notice nobody's interested. Will my snake be with me in heaven? <laughs> Even the snake owners don't ask those kind of questions because they know. No. They're not. I mean, I don't have any Bible or proof for that. I just know it in my knower. Um, 
But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find will be with me in heaven. Uh, I've probably, you know, I grew up on a farm. I've, I've been a part of a lot of dogs' lives, but uh, I've got two now, and, and, you know, if one of them could go with me to heaven, that'd be kind of cool, you know. Uh, that word living, that word living, uh, living creature, that's, that same word's translated soul. But they're different, okay? The animal is not a person like you're a person, even though you're technically a mammal, right? Do you see the difference? Uh, that dog, when he dies, that spirit goes downward. That person, when he or she dies, that spirit goes back to God. What's up with that? Well, let me just point out a couple things. It's very interesting to me. So obviously, the spirit of the animal is connected to the earth. Okay, where does man get his spirit? Well, well, we'll look at this uh, it, it, when we get to Genesis 2-7 to see, uh, but let's look at it very quickly to see why. We'll, we'll break everything down when we get there. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, just like he called the cattle, the creepers, and the creatures from the earth earlier that day and breathed into his nostrils. God breathed into Adam's body the breath of life, and man became a living creature, right? He became a living soul. So what happened? I mean, man was made how? Well, he was formed from the dust of the ground, but Genesis chapter one says he's created. Well, how was Adam created? How did he become? How was this living soul created? God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man, that's, that kind of gives me, I mean, I get prickles when I think about that. Man became a living soul. In other words, man was made how? He was made, God breathed. Now that's a big deal, that's a key component. Man was made, God breathed. That's how he was created. He was formed from the dust of the ground, but you didn't become you, Adam didn't become Adam until God breathed his breath into him. God breathed. Well why is that such a big deal? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we find out that the word of God is inspired, inspirited, inspiration, inspiration. It is, the word means literally God breathed. Adam was a product of God's inspiration, inspiration, the breathing, the breath of God is what caused Adam to become a living soul. Now we're getting ahead of ourselves and we'll get, in, we'll get into it even more when we get to Genesis 2-7. So, so wait till later, but, but make a note, you don't wanna miss that week. But listen to what Job says in Job 32-8. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. So just like man got life, if you're gonna continue to grow in life, well just check out 1 Corinthians chapter two. In 1 Corinthians two verses 19 through 15, you find out that it's only through the Spirit of God that you can ever understand the Word of God. You try to approach this book academically, like you're just gonna, have, you're gonna, you're gonna unleash your big brain on this book and you're gonna unlock all of its secrets because you're so smart and you're so, and, and you're, you're perfectly, maybe you're, in your mind, you're perfectly educated. Uh, there's a lot in this book that will be lost to you because we need help to understand it. It is a spiritual book written to a spiritual man and only the Holy Spirit 
can enlighten our understanding and open our minds and hearts to be able to receive its truth. Inspiration, right? The word of God was inspired. Uh, Well, is God still talking to you? Is the breath of God still building you up in your faith? We're, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But Numbers chapter 16, check this out, verse 22. They fell upon their faces and said, O oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh. So the animal's spirit comes from the earth. The man's spirit comes from God. So there is a difference. There's a distinction between man and the beast's. That does not answer the question if your pet dog will be with you in heaven. I'm pretty sure with cats, it's, I already know the answer. <laughs> Verse 26, now we're, let's look at the commission. Creation and commission of man. God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Isn't that interesting? This, 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 now gives us a little bit of a shift in how we've been reading, okay, up to this point. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice the pronouns. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle. There it is again. So you shouldn't be submitting to a cow and worshiping it. You should be growing it and fattening it up so that you can harvest those sweet ribeye steaks have dominion, that's what, okay, so, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, so God created man, now follow the pronouns, and God created man, right, verse 17, in his own image, what happened, in, what, why doesn't it say their own image? If we're gonna create man in our image, after our likeness, why doesn't verse uh, 20, yeah, it's still 28, wait, 27, say, so God created man in their own image. In the image of God created he him. No, it's in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Uh, God didn't get confused with his pronouns when he gave us his word. God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Okay, so there are just a lot of things to note here this morning. Again, we've said this, but I wanna make sure it's clear. Man is created on the sixth day and it is no surprise that the number of man is the number six. You see that in Revelation 13. Here is a a false prophet that is basically used to make sure the whole world is worshiping the Antichrist. There's an image of the Antichrist. He is empowered to give life to it and to cause all who do not worship this image to be killed. And And then Revelation 13, 17 says that he had the ability to put everyone in bondage. Uh, It says, no man might buy or sell save he had the mark, this mark of the beast. The mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then verse 18 says, here is wisdom. Let him that that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. 
and his number is 600, three score and six. Uh, Today, we would say it is the number 666. This is the mark or the number of the beast. It's the number of a man, it's six. Six is just a number, but, but just understand, man's life and really his destiny is tied to this number, tied as your next blank. This is why, uh, and we'll be back here at the end of this creation week, Exodus 20 verse eight, God tells his people to remember the seventh day, the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, why? Well, because verse nine, six days shalt thou labor. Six days, man, six, the week is seven days. Six of those seven days, man has a work to do. But the seventh day is a day of rest, so keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it, shalt, in it, uh, in it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy, there it is again, nor thy stranger that is within, the gate, within thy gates. For in six days, watch this now, for in six days the Lord worked. He made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now we've talked about this a few times already in Genesis 1. You remember the millennial day principle in understanding Bible history and Bible prophecy. Second uh, Peter 3 verse 8 is the most famous cross-reference for this principle. We're told not to be ignorant of this. Beloved, be you not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And we've been showing you these millennial days and how, how this, what, what we see in the creation week shows back up again in human history or biblical history. So what we have here is six days of labor followed by a rest. Well, in terms of humanity, man will work for six days or six millennia, and then there will be a millennial rest. There there will be a selah. So God sets the example for us, making us at the end of the work week. Okay, so we didn't see that. Adam didn't see that work. He's made at the end of the work week. So what's the first thing that Adam sees? Well, he sees an example. And he sees a promise in the picture of his rest. God wants us to enter into his rest. Uh, We'll get into that on day seven. Revelation 20 verse six says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a day. Shall reign with him for the day of the Lord, a thousand years. So man is created on the sixth day and he's introduced to God's rest. That's where it starts. Well, that's where everything is heading. Everything is going to God's rest. So I was hinting at this while we were reading the passage here in Genesis chapter one. Notice the phrase, let us, okay? Let us, this is a supporting verse for the Trinity of God because our God is triune and and he's a triune God. He is three, he is one. So he says uh, in verse 26, and God said, let us. Okay, this word God comes from the Hebrew word Elohim. 
Uh, Elohim is translated as God. It's just a generic word for who God is. But this word Elohim is a plural masculine noun. It's a plural masculine noun. It's a plural masculine noun with singular verbs and pronouns every once in a while. It's, we, just say, we see it right here. So God created man in his own image. Well, that would be singular masculine, wouldn't it? So it can go either way. Uh, but it is a plural masculine noun. And it's one of the many names for God. Check out Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. This will help us to get our head around what we're seeing here in Genesis chapter one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And what they would hear is, hear, O Israel, the Yahweh or Jehovah, right? The, the Jehovah, anytime you see capital L-O-R-D, that's the formal name for God. And that would be singular masculine noun, Jehovah or Yahweh. The Jehovah, our Elohim, is one Jehovah. The Jehovah, our plural God, right? Our, our plural masculine noun, God, our Lord. Uh, the, the, the Jehovah, our Elohim, is one Jehovah. Well, how does that work? Well, God is triune, three are one. First John five, verse seven says, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Praise the Lord. John chapter one then, verse one says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Why, because three are one, and this again forces you to check your cross references. Uh, what you don't see clearly in John chapter one is the spirit of God moving on the face of the waters, on the face of the deep. Uh, These three are one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God and the word said over and over, let there be, let there be, and then let us make man in our image and after our likeness, okay, the word, created, he was the same in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Do you see what verse three says? Without him was not anything made that was made. Now go back to Genesis chapter one. God said let us make man. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. Okay, so the creator in Genesis chapter one, the Elohim, this plural masculine noun that's speaking in Genesis chapter one, who is he? And let the whole church say, God. (laughs) That's the safe answer. What's his name? What do we call him? It's Jesus, right? That's what John chapter one says. In the beginning, we know. I mean, with, who's the word in John chapter one? Well, you just keep reading in John chapter one and you find out there is no question. It's the one that came, our hands handled him, right? We saw him. It's Jesus. He is the one that has been speaking this entire time. In Genesis chapter three, when we see the voice of the Lord God walking uh, in the garden in the cool of the day, this would be Christ speaking and walking in the cool of the day. Okay, so let's talk about this image. 
God said, let us make man in our image. Uh, this comes from a word that means a figure, right? A, a figure or a phantom. This would, be, this would be something that looks like something. So let's get an image rundown in our Bible. We know from Luke chapter three, verse 38, that, 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 that Adam is called God's son. So here man is created in the image of God, and we won't get into it this week, we won't have time, but, but, but he is tasked with reproducing. Adam is tasked, Adam and Eve are tasked to reproduce, and this reproduction is to continue until the whole earth is filled with sons of God. That's his job. That's the commission that Adam is given in the beginning. Um, it's sons of God because Luke 3.38 says that Adam is a son of God. Uh, we, we, we've not changed that terminology. There's not a grandfather in the world that hasn't called their, their grandchild uh, daughter or son at some point, right? They, and, and, and grandparents are always like this, you are mine. Like, uh, it's like, you're not going Hansel or Gretel on us, are you grandpa or grandma, you know? You're, and they'll tell the, uh, it's just, you see it all the time. You guys know what I'm talking about? A grandparent cannot help it, and they'll make sure that kid knows. And when they're a little toddler, it's just happening over and over again. You are mine, you know? <laughs> what is that? No, it's sweeter than that. You're mine. Yes, you are. You're all mine. Yes, you are. And just, and grandma and grandpa will call them, hey, son, listen, daughter, right? Listen, child. You're my child. Listen to, we use the same terminology. Adam, as God's son, is to reproduce sons of God and fill the earth, and we're going to see why before we get done with this week. So God creates man in his own image, and the image of God creates, right, God created he him, male and female created he them. He blesses them and says unto them, be fruitful, multiply, and it's not plenish the earth, it's replenish the earth. And so we talked about the Satan, uh, uh, how he fell, right, the, the devil, how he was, how he was um, uh, judged in this beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and then we see the earth without form and void, and so what we did is we said, as we examine all of the cross-references, it makes the most sense to put the fall of Satan between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, now Isaiah 45 verse 18 makes sense. Jeremiah chapter four makes sense. Jeremiah four absolutely sends you back to Genesis 1-1. Um, so all of our cross-references work together. And we've got a place now chronologically to put the fall of Satan. And so what we see in the creative week is six days of creation, but there are also six days of restoration. I don't know what time it was in Genesis 1-1, but when you go back to the first in the evening and the evening and the morning were the first day, that was roughly 6,000 years ago according to Usher's chronology and rabbinic tradition. So we believe in a literal six-day creative week, six 24-hour days, God put it all together. And when he puts man to work at the end of that creative week, he says, replenish the earth. Why? Well, this is what we're gonna see. Satan wasn't the only one that rebelled against God. 
And before it's all said and done, one way or another, you get to Revelation chapter 12 and you find out one third of the heavenly host follows Satan in his rebellion. And so, the, the, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll break it all down, but the picture is this. Um, God's looking to have that heavenly host restocked, replenished, refilled. And it is no wonder that in the age of the church, we are called what? Sons of God. Here's the problem though. Adam failed in that commission. We'll see this in Genesis chapter three. He ends up corrupting the image and likeness. This fallen, sinful image that Adam now has is what he ends up propagating humanity with. Genesis five says that uh, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them. This is just repeating what we're seeing now. And blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And then we know what happened in Genesis chapter three. That's why verse three reads, and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son, not after the likeness and image of God. It's in, and the Bible's clear to point this out. It's in his own likeness after his, Adam's image, and called his name Seth. This is why 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, for as in Adam all die. Why? Because Adam passed on a sin nature to humanity. This is why the Bible says all have sinned. Well, I'm a really good person. Well, you only say that because you know some really bad people. (laughs) And the Bible tells you comparing ourselves among ourselves is not wise. I'm a really good person. Well, compare yourself to Jesus and how good are you? Compare yourself to the word of God. Compare yourself to the living God, right? The person of God and the, and the word of God and then see how you stack up. All have sinned, the Bible said, and come short of the glory of God and the wages of that sin, the penalty is death. But God's not willing that any would perish. He's not willing to lose one soul. This is why Christ became our sin bearer God so loved us that he gave us the Lord Jesus. We have this opportunity to believe on him so that we don't perish. Jesus is who? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, In Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Here's the fourth point. This image of God is what is restored now when we are saved and it happens actually through two separate adoptions and we read about it in Romans chapter eight. When you call on the Lord Jesus Christ, you become God's child. And this is why verse 15 says, for we have not received the, bondage, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This is why Philippians 2.15 calls us sons of God. A Christian is a son of God. Man, isn't that amazing? You're like, well, I'm kind of a girl. It's in the same way we would say humanity or mankind, okay? He called male and female, created he them, and he called their name what? Remember? Adam. Called their name Adam. Uh, this is one of the reasons why in, in, you know, in a Judeo-Christian ethic, uh, the, the women, when they will get married, they will take their husband's name. Cheryl Robertson now calls herself Cheryl Miles. Um, why, they two are one, right? So she's, she's a Miles. 
wasn't born that way, but thank God it worked out that way. Praise the Lord. So that's what we're talking about here in verse 15 is salvation. The Spirit of God is now bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. We receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So that's at the level of the soul, right? The Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ takes up residence in our life. Christ now dwells in our heart by faith. The Holy Spirit indwelling us as the Holy Ghost. He also seals us. He's this Holy Spirit of promise. We are born again to eternal life. This is describing the new birth. But wait, there's more. You just keep going down in Romans chapter eight and verse 22. The Bible says that the whole of creation is groaning. The Bible says, and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also. Man, it's hard out there for a son of God. There's groaning, there's travail. Ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Well, wait, I thought we were already adopted. That's why we call him Abba Father. No, 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 there's, there's another adoption coming. To wit, the redemption of our body. So verse 15 is talking about salvation, but verses 23, 22 through 23 is talking about glorification. And where salvation is at the level of the soul, the inner man, glorification is at the level of the body. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible body will put on incorruption. Uh, Death will be swallowed up in victory. We will be translated, we will be resurrected. This is describing the rapture of the church where our vile bodies are now fashioned like unto his glorious body, Philippians says. We will be like him. So this is glorification. So what's happening? Uh, Well, that hasn't happened yet. The rapture hasn't taken place. I still have a corruptible mortal body uh, that I have to take care of and maintain and and, and feed it well and, and work out and all of that. And then it's still gonna die because that's how it works. But something is still wonderful. Uh, Every day I get to know the Lord a little bit better. I know him more, I understand his mind, his word over my life. This is a process uh, between salvation and glorification, it's called sanctification. Where God is, when I got saved, he set me apart, I'm holy in Christ, right? I'm holy in the Lord, I belong to him and him alone but I have to learn how to live and walk holy. Uh, We need to learn how to be holy because God is holy and this is what it means to be a disciple, a learner of Christ. We learn the word of God, we learn how to live the word of God and what's happening is is we're, yes we're set apart, yes we're sanctified, but we grow in our consecration to the Lord. We grow in our sanctification. What is God doing through this whole process? He is conforming us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's our last point. God is at work restoring this image that Adam lost, the lost image of Christ in the believer through the process of sanctification. This is why if you just keep going in Romans 8, you see it, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he, did, he also did predestinate, watch this now, here it is, to be conformed, how, to what? 
to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So that's the, that's the image rundown. There was an image that was lost, that God is a, God's goal is to see it restored. He wants to see it restored, and this is our mission as a local church, to see souls saved and disciples made, to see sons and daughters of God conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what begins in Christian living and the process of sanctification, God himself will finalize at the rapture of the church with glorification. So what about likeness? Okay, so, so physically he's like God. He's after his similitude, he's, he's a model of Christ. That's what this word likeness means. So very quickly, let's get a likeness rundown. Colossians chapter one, in verses 12 through 28, gives us an incredible insight, and I just wanna zero in on verse 15. Talking about Christ, it says he is, who is the image of the invisible God. Uh, Christ is very clear. He says, nobody, right? There's no man, no, no one has seen God at any time. Uh, God the Father is invisible. You will not see him. He is the invisible God, but Christ is his image. Okay, so I think that's very interesting. Well, okay, so Adam is created in God's likeness, okay, in his form or similitude. So what did Adam look like? Well, you'll never see the father, but just let's look at a few clues. In John chapter one, verse 18, talks about the only begotten son declaring the father. In 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse four, it says that Christ is the image of God. In John chapter one, verse 14, it says, I mean, if you wanna know who the word is, well, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, it's Jesus. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He is a chip off the greatest block ever. Colossians chapter one, again, he is the image of the invisible God. John chapter 12, verses 44 and 45. He's cluing the disciples in. He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. What do you mean, show us the Father? Look at me. That's what Jesus is saying. Look at, look at me, right? I mean, he's, look at me, look at, show us the Father, Jesus. Are you kidding me? Here it is, John chapter 14. Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. I mean, there it is. Okay, so this invisible God, what does he look like? What does he look like? Jesus. So who did Adam look like? Jesus. I mean, if you saw Adam, you might be tempted to just fall down and worship, and you wouldn't even know why. Uh, it'd be wrong. He looked like Jesus. This is why Luke 338 calls him literally the son of God. He's after his likeness and his image. Adam is God's son and he's created, he's made, he's God breathed, but he's made in a place higher than Lucifer in all of his glory. Created, 
made, formed in the likeness, in the image and the likeness of Jesus himself. And here's the insult, he's made from dirt. Remember Lucifer getting full of himself, walking in the midst of the stones of fire through Eden. He's got his domain, he has his, his, he has his dispensation uh, in, the, in the pre-Adamic world. He has, and he gets full of himself, loses his job, and God makes his replacement from the dirt that he used to walk on. No wonder Satan hates us. No wonder he hates man. Jealous much, devil? I mean, and Adam doesn't look like him. Lucifer didn't look like Jesus. When God forms Adam from the dust of the ground, he doesn't have an ox face. No, 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 no. And it becomes very clear that, that, that God just keeps, keeps adding insult to injury to Lucifer because cows are our food, right? They're a way that we store money. It's how we get our milkshakes. Uh, that we use cattle. That's, that's what they're there for. No, Adam doesn't have a ox face. He doesn't look like the cherub. He looks like Jesus, like God himself. Take that, sucker. I mean, that... That's just, that gets me fired up, man. Uh, you think you're gonna put God in his place and he will, oh man, he will humble you. God made Adam perfect, mature, and complete. He has the appearance of full age, even at the first second of life. But the best thing was he was given the image and likeness of God himself. There is no greater gift than that, to have the likeness and the image of Christ And if you've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. Don't we want to be like the Father? That's everything, isn't it? I want to grow up and be just like my Father. Well, Jesus is the only way. It's the person of Christ and the word of Christ. And so when you come to the mirror of God's word, the mind of Christ, the image of Christ, God's word, what do you see? Well, you will see yourself as you are. James 1.22 says, So you are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't be guilty of just taking in information that you can conveniently ignore. No, be a doer of what, let the word make changes in you. Let it conform you back, right? Let it it use that sanctification process to keep growing you into the image of Christ. Don't be hearers only. Be a doer. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he, he, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the word of God, the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'd ask that nobody but the worship team be moving. Um, Seth and the gang can come and and lead us in some worship. But everybody else, um, if if you'll bow, if you'll humble yourself right now and close your eyes, you can look inside. Are you being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you every day more and more 
in more and more ways are you looking, acting, walking, talking like Jesus? Is that happening to you? And I know, you know, that growth comes in, 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 in um, marginal growth and then there's times of exceeding growth. I mean, I get, it's, uh, it's not static, it's not steady. But are you seeing it take place? Are you a hearer and a doer of his word? Are you letting the mirror of God's word point out the problems so you can make the changes, so that you can recover yourself from, from the snares of the devil? You can repent of the errors and then begin walking in truth. Is that taking place in your life? Is there anybody that would say, Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Um, that, I'm, I'm, that's really not happening right now and, and that's wrong. I, I, there needs to be a change in my life today. Would you pray for me? Let me see your hands. Okay, so there's a number. There's a number. Anybody else, Pastor, please pray for me. Okay, so, so pretty much all over. Okay. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, please pray for me? I know my life isn't looking like Christ because I'm none of his. I've never come to a place where I've confessed before the Lord and, and uh, called on him for mercy and forgiveness and salvation. I, I need to be born again. I need to be saved. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? I don't have Christ in my life and that needs to change today. Is there anyone like that? I need to be, I need to be saved. Let me see your hand. Okay, Father, Lord, you see us, and, and Lord, you see us for who we are. A lot of times we're in denial about what's going on in our life, and Lord, I'm just asking that you, the way only you can, Lord, that you would convict and convince us of our true need. Lord, you're worth being right with, and so Father, I pray today that, that, that everything that we learned about being conformed to the image of Christ, that it would that it would be motivation for us not to play at being a Christian. So many people think that, that if they go to church every once in a while, you're pleased. Lord, you're the, you're the Lord of the harvest. Uh, you want us in the family business. <sighs> Lord, help us to see that, that, that a disciple of Christ is a learner and a follower. Uh, we're supposed to be a part of your kingdom agenda, and uh, you've gifted all of us with different gifts from the Spirit so that we can all play our part and take our role and, and work together to see the kingdom grow. Uh, Lord, in Jesus' name and to the glory of the Father. And so God, I don't, you know, Satan always gives us reasons and excuses why we can't today. And Jesus squashes all of that, uh, everything from from let the dead bury their dead, or you're, you know, if you're plowing, looking back, you're not fit. I mean, it, he, wants, he wants all the priority uh, with himself. And, and so God, I, I pray for your grace for us to see it and to submit to it, to cling to it, to follow in it. Lord, have your way with every heart, every soul today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.